Welcome to This Is Me. My name is Siobhan. We all know someone with a battle. This weekly podcast is where I talk with everyday Australians as they share their life-changing moments. Some of these stories are sad, but all of them are inspiring. In this first episode, I sit down and tell my own story. My name is Siobhan. I'm almost 44 years of age and I'm a mother of two. I've got a daughter and a son. To be honest, everything felt pretty perfect. There's some stains on your photo. They all cracks on your rusty frame. In September 2016, I was diagnosed with bowel cancer. I was born in Australia, in Inverell, New South Wales. We moved around a lot as children because of my father's work. So I went to six different schools and then we moved to Brisbane when I was in about grade six. But I did go to boarding school for grade 11 and 12 because I was a bit naughty. (laughs) So I was the youngest of four, so three older sisters and... Life was good. My father was away a lot for work, so um, we did see him on weekends and things. Most weekends, we would go to the beach and um, we'd go camping or or stay in in cabins, and that was probably one of my my favourite memories as a child. So I've got two children. My eldest daughter is now in grade six at school, and my youngest is um, now in grade three. Prior to having the kids. I actually worked, um, I was a singer. And I then also moved into the corporate world as a recruitment consultant, which was really long hours. I was doing uh, like 12 hour days. My life back then was good. I loved being a mother. I loved being a wife and we had a nice home, had a girl and a boy. To be honest, everything felt pretty perfect. Around the age um, of when my youngest turned two, I decided I want to regain my pre-pregnancy body and I got quite heavily involved in fitness and exercise. I started um, long distance running, including marathon and competing in fitness competitions, a bit like CrossFit. Uh, Around that time, I was in a national competition and I was, uh, I suffer from anxiety and at this time I actually thought it was just symptoms of anxiety where I was getting a lot of bloating and um, urgency going to the bathroom and just quite fatigued. But I put all that down to being anxious. I thought it was just a lot of nerves. Uh, I also thought maybe I had some food allergies. So I was, you know, uh, taking wheat and gluten and things like that out of my diet and I started to get uh, a little bit of blunt when I'd go to the toilet, go to the bathroom in my stool, and I spoke to mum about it, and she was really worried. But I had in my head, um, because it was bright in colour, <laughs> that sounds crazy, that's fine because it's fresh. And I was always told that dark-coloured blood is when it's something that's um, more serious, like cancer or something like that. So I decided to go to my... GP that I've had for what 20 years or something 
he thought that I probably had IBS because I had a lot of bloating and those types of symptoms. But he did suggest I go for a colonoscopy and I booked in. But when you, you know, book in for these types of appointments, there's quite a long waiting period. I wasn't worried because I always felt I was so fit and healthy <laughs> that nothing would happen to me. I was invincible. <laughs> That's actually how I felt because I was at the fittest and healthiest I'd ever been in my life. And I just, I just seem to be one of those people that has a lot of luck. Bad things don't happen to me. When I went to see the specialist, he um, spoke to me, said we'd do an endoscopy as well, just to see whether I had any, um, you know, if I was celiac, if that was causing the bloating. But he also did an examination for me just in the, the room there at, at his office. And he did see um, in my rectum a polyp. And it, it did alarm him a little bit because he said, if you see one polyp so close, usually there's more. And I didn't even know what a polyp was. And he said, look, we'll book you in for this colonoscopy and I'll um, do the endoscopy at the same time and then we'll get some answers. I was expecting him to come back with a big smile on his face and say that everything was good, but he didn't. He came back with a little bit of... I didn't know him well, but I could feel that there was a bit of concern in, in his tone. And he did say when he was doing the procedure, there was a very large polyp that looked aggravated in my rectum. And it was so large that uh, he couldn't remove it during the colonoscopy and that I would need to book in for surgery. So, um, I was very shocked because... I didn't think it would be anything bad. And he said the size of the polyp was pretty much the size of a tennis ball, which is ridiculous because he couldn't believe I was able to tolerate the symptoms. And the symptoms I had was um, urgency to go to the toilet because this polyp was acting like a plug. So I couldn't go to the bathroom properly, which is why it was going so regularly, which I'd put down to being anxiety because of the competitions I was in. <laughs> and the reason there was blood in my stool was because the polyp was being aggravated because every time I would try and go to the bathroom, it was um, being abused. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word. But um, that's why I had those symptoms and it made a lot more sense because I, was, I just remember being someone well at times with the bloating. When he looked at the polyp, I said to him, but it's not bad, is it? Like, it's, it just get removed and it'll be okay. And he said, well, there's different types of polyps and the type of polyp you have is a vascular polyp. So sometimes they can become uh, diseased. I don't know if that's the right word. And he did show concern immediately at the time, like a knowing concern. And I felt it. He didn't actually say it to me, but I could feel that there was concern in his tone. And he said, we need to book in 
for another procedure to remove the polyp. So during the colonoscopy, he took a biopsy of the polyp, which would give him answers before removing it. We booked in for the procedure, but there was a waiting period to get results back from pathology, which is the worst. I feel like it took maybe a week or so to get the results back from pathology and my specialist nurse rang to give me the results. I'm a pretty impatient person and waiting for results was pretty horrible, to be completely honest. I kept thinking, oh, it'll be okay. This is just a warning for me to slow down. I was very anxious waiting for the results, but I was actually okay because I was being very, talking very positively to myself. And I remember being in my car when the nurse rang to tell me that there are changing cells. And that terrified me hearing that. She said, um, we've got you booked in. It was the next week to get this procedure called a TEMS procedure that will remove the polyp. So I had a bit of a cry and I was upset, but I was okay. I went into that procedure really positive and just thought, well, that's okay. At least it's not cancer. The cells are changing, but they haven't changed. Just get it out and it'll all be okay. So they did the procedure. Uh, The specialist came and saw me the next day and said, everything went fine. I've taken excess tissue from around the polyp because we'll test that as well. It's going off to pathology, but you're recovering really well. You can go home a day early, which is great because I was, you know, in great form. I was fit and healthy, so I was able to go home and await results. Once the polyp was removed and uh, I awaited the results, it just took a long time and longer than, I don't know, time goes very slowly when you're awaiting results, but I just had this feeling in my stomach that something wasn't right. After about, it was just over a week of waiting to hear from the specialist with what the result was, my GP actually rang me. On a, it was a Friday afternoon and I was at home and he said to me, do you know you've got cancer? <laughs> I went, oh, no, I don't think I do. I had um, a biopsy done and it was benign with changing cells. Couldn't listen to him telling me that. He said he'd follow up as well. It was actually the specialist nurse that rang me and I was at Chermside Shopping Centre. My kids were in the food court and they were playing and the play equipment there. And I had a coffee in my hand and then the nurse rings. And basically said to me, yep, you've got cancer. Doctor, my doctor will be calling me a little bit later He's just with patients at the moment, but he will call me a little bit later with some options and what I need to do moving forward. It's just, when I was told that, it's like he, surreal. You don't believe it because I wasn't going to get cancer. I'm fit and I'm healthy and I'm one of those people that I don't even get a head cold. Just, I remember walking, my partner was with me, we walked through the shopping centre and I said, We've, I've got to go home. So we walked to the car and as we were walking, I remember ringing my sister. 
and she's really good. She went, okay, would you like me to tell mum and dad for you? <laughs> My parents live next door to me. I said, yep, tell mum and dad to warn them. She got in a car, went over to my parents' house with a bottle of wine and told them. Within 20 minutes, I would have been home. I drove into my driveway. My mother comes over and collapses onto the concrete, hysterically crying, my baby, my baby. And my kids are in the back and my kids are young. So Chrissy was, I think, was in kindy and Rosanna was about grade two. And my mum is on the ground unable to stand, absolutely hysterical. And the kids are going, what's wrong with mum That's what we call my mum in Gaelic. I just had to be so strong because my mother was a mess. And I was surprisingly calm. And I said, oh, she's just having a bad day. That's okay. Let's hop out of the car. And I just acted really cool and calm because I didn't want to scare my children. About an hour later, I was at home and my specialist rang me finally. He said to me that I had a 15% chance of risk, 15% chance that it spread to other areas of my body. I was like, okay, well, that's all right. There's an 85% chance that I'm okay then and I'm fine. I said, so what are my choices? And he said, well, you can leave it, but there's a chance that it has moved to another area of your body or you can do what's called an ultra-low anterior resection. Um, They'd remove my rectum but keep the sphincter muscles, which tell you when you need to go to the bathroom. Remove a large amount of your large intestine or your, your bowel and some lymph nodes of the surrounding area. And they would do that because cancer does crazy things and it skips and jumps different areas. So that would give me the the biggest um, chance of survival. I had a, a holiday booked to go to Thailand with my family and I said to the specialist, if I go ahead with this procedure, do I have to cancel my holiday? And he said, have your holiday. Family is really important. Do your holiday, relax, come back, then have your procedure. Bowel cancer is a slow-moving cancer, so two weeks won't really make too much of a difference in the long run. So I did that. I actually went, and when I came back from overseas and I knew I had my appointment booked, I started getting all the tests, the CT scans. That's when it started to, to sink in that this is really serious. Well, Australia has one of the highest rates of bowel cancer in the world, and up to 80 Australians each week uh, die of bowel cancer, which is just a dreadful statistic. The part that was scariest for me was actually awaiting the results. And once I got a confirmed answer that, yes, you have cancer, I actually got more courage. And I thought, you know what, I can do this. I'm actually going to be okay. It was the not knowing when I didn't have the results and it was uncertain as to what my situation was that's where I was most scared. That's where I was terrified. I couldn't sleep for about, you know, a good week when I was waiting for those results. I'd actually go into my walk-in wardrobe, close the door and put the light on. And I'd Google all these things about bowel cancer. And I'd look at what the the death rate is and the survival rate. I looked up um, chemo. I looked up everything that I feared. And I remember speaking late at night to my friend and she said to me, so... 
have you thought about death? I was really offended, to be honest, that she asked me that. I went, I'm not going to die. She said, I'm not saying that. I'm just wondering, have you thought about death before? I'd never, ever thought about dying. I just never considered that to be something in the near future. And at that time, for that week, I thought I was going to die really soon. I, I just was so scared of death. The thing that scared me the most was actually my children. And I think as a mum, you become so selfless. And that was the, the thing I just wanted my children to have their mother and I was so sad that I would miss Rosanna's wedding and that I would miss Christopher's firstborn child like that's it's one of the things that you think of but for me I just just didn't want to miss those important things with my children and I wanted to be there for them and that was actually the thing that probably made me think that you know when I finally got the diagnosis and that I can have this procedure to clear everything that's actually what gave me the strength I know you always hear people say that but it's actually when something like that happens it's does really show you what you what's important and that's like for me that was my children So after our holiday in Thailand, we came home and I was ready. I knew that doing this procedure was going to give me the best possible chance to clear myself of the cancer. Um, probably, you know, it was maybe not even a full week after we returned from holiday that I was booked in. There was a lot of procedures leading up to it. And I remember being at the hospital, my partner and my son came with me. And I spoke very openly about this with the children. I don't think my son had any idea, really, and he doesn't really remember now much about it, but my daughter does, and she used to ask a lot of questions and openly tell other people when we were in public, and I was fine with that. People were a bit shocked when she'd tell them, but I actually think that makes it easier. She never asked me if I was going to die. It was, you know, pretty serious procedure. So it was a, a six-hour-long procedure. What I do remember is absolutely starving because I was so hungry. And, you know, when you go under, you can't eat for a certain period of time. But my specialist was running six hours behind, which is a long time. And I was in – it's almost like you, you're in, like, this waiting room where you can watch moves and things, but you can't eat, you can't even have water – I wasn't even nervous by that stage. I was just over it. I just wanted it done. I just remember waking up after it. I stayed in hospital for, I believe it was nine days. While I was in the hospital, they got the results back and the cancer had actually spread, but um, beyond where the clearance was. So I was really fortunate that I, I went ahead with this procedure. I felt quite angry that it had spread. I was felt like my body had let me down. I felt disappointed in my body. After the procedure, I was given an ileostomy bag. So it's, I call it a poop bag. And I 
really didn't like it. That was the thing I struggled with the most. I had a a temporary bag while they healed my uh, my new rectum and my large intestine. So they actually created what's called a J pouch and a new rectum out of the bowel that remained. So while that healed, I had to have this temporary bag and I I couldn't stand it. Anything that you eat or drink goes straight through into this bag and um, it fills up with gas, like it fills up like a balloon if you eat certain foods. It has an odour and you have to change it regularly. Anything and everything you eat comes running out of it and you don't know. It's not like you go, oh, I need to do a wee or I need to do a poo. There's, there's no sign. There's no sensor. So it just comes out. Probably one of the most embarrassing times of my life was actually at um, a Christmas party. And I'd been pretty much housebound because you can't drive after major surgery and things. So I'd been you know, a good six weeks at home. And I decided I'd been invited to this party with some friends from the gym. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go. So I had a shower, I washed my hair, I straightened my hair, I put makeup on, I put tan on, and I wore these really nice gold sort of glittery Christmas type shorts. They went, they were nice, like really nice shorts. And because I had a bag, um, you can see it through your clothing. So I put this really nice white top on that's got um, like a waistband and a bow. And I tied the bow to the side that covered the lump from where my bag was. So I think any other person wouldn't know that I, I had a, a poop bag and I've, I felt I put heels on and I actually felt really beautiful and I hadn't for a long time I just felt like a woman and I felt great and I went out and I caught up with my gym friends we just went to grilled at Chermside you know nice and casual we had you know burgers nice and casual lots of laughs had a few drinks and I was having a really great time I just felt really normal and happy and I was talking to my friend Amy and I must have had my hand resting on the chair as I was just on the other side of the table to her. I just felt this moisture on my hand. I just remember looking at my hand. And by this time I'd probably had two wines. So not a lot, but, you know, two wines. And I saw this dark colour on my hands. And I looked down at the chair and I went, oh, my God. And I looked at her and I must have had this look of horror on my face. And she looks at me and she goes, what is it? And I went, I've got to go. So I stood up. My whole bag that was attached to my stomach had blown up and had detached from my stomach. So the whole bag just poured over me. Poo and contents in there was pure liquid. Soaked all through my top, my white top, and all over the seat. And I did, I don't even know if I said anything. I grabbed my little handbag and I was looking, where do I go? If I went behind me towards where the street was, everyone would see. So I ran into the shopping centre, which was actually closed because it was evening, but you could go up to the movie section. It wasn't too many people. I just ran into there and I just ran through the shopping centre that was closed and I rang my husband and I was in tears and I said, you've got to come pick me up, come pick me up. And he did. He came and picked me up with the kids in the car and I was just crying a lot 
And the kids had never seen me cry like that before. I don't think I ever have in front of them or ever have. And they were going, what's wrong, mummy? You know, my daughter actually still sometimes brings up, she remembers it because I was so, she must have felt for me, I must have been, I was so emotional that she just, they just didn't know what was wrong with their mum. So I went home and during the car trip home and while I was at home, my friends were texting going, don't worry about it, Siobhan, come back out. It's, you know, no one knows, you know, come out. And I was just ignoring them. And I jumped in the shower and, you know, I just thought, I'm just, how will I ever face these people again? I was able to get a reversal, which is when you get rid of the bag, uh, earlier, about a month earlier. My body healed really quickly. Everything went to plan, but I had a bit of problem with the healing of that. So I stayed in hospital longer than expected, which was really upsetting for me at the time because my son was about to start prep. And um, so I'd had it because I brought it um, early. That was, I was so happy about it, but I was expecting to be, you know, out of hospital in two days time and back home and ready for my son to start prep. You know, biggest, you know, it's a really big deal when your kids start school for the first time. And I just had a really intense pain with the reversal. It's like my bowel wouldn't function properly. It's like it had almost gone to sleep, I suppose, because it hadn't been used for so long. So I was in, I'd probably say the most pain I've ever been in my life. And I remember there were two days that I actually thought to myself, I, I wouldn't be able to live with that pain. Like I've never thought like that before, but I actually thought if that was going to be how it is, I can't do it. It was so painful. It was awful. And they were injecting morphine directly into my stomach to try and ease the pain. It didn't do a thing. So but that only lasted for two days, thankfully. And then things started to move and I, I started to feel a lot better. But because of the pain that I was in, my um, specialist wanted to keep me in hospital a bit longer. So I did miss my son's first day of school. And that's a really big regret that I have because if I wasn't so eager to have the reversal... I could have just gone with the bag and taken him to his first day of school. So that is something that I regret. But my sister went and my husband went and took them and they FaceTimed me and I was able to talk to the teacher and see them at school. <laughs> but I did get out um, a few days later and I made it to his first week of school. So I made it on the Friday. But, and I had to wear a, a nappy, and actually an adult nappy. I really didn't care. I just wanted to, to be there at least for the first week if I couldn't be there for the first day. And I look back at photos now and I think, God, I looked terrible. Like I just looked um, so thin and weak. But I'm so glad I made it to his first week of school. So every year I have a CT scan, which actually I still fear. I hate that actually. I, 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 that scares me because it, for me it feels like they're digging for gold and you think you'd, when they do that type of test, you're going to find something in everybody, surely. So that's one thing that I, I do get anxious about every year 
is my CT scans. In October this year, I'll be four years clear. So I now only see my surgeon six monthly. Blood tests are now only six monthly as well. And when you get to five years, which is just over 12 months time, which I know I will be clear, then I think that's it. I do still get polyps and that's something I will always have. Probably for the rest of my life, I'll have a colonoscopy. I don't think I'll need to have CT scans and all the bloods done like I used to. I never worry about it coming back because I know it's not going to. So looking back at my experience and what I've gained from it, and this will sound crazy to a lot of people, I actually think having cancer was a blessing and I'm really glad I had it. But I was so lucky I got mine when I did. It hadn't spread. If it had, it'd be a different story, but it's a blessing that I had it because it's made me look at things a lot differently in a lot of areas of my life and I'm glad it happened when it did and I wasn't older. I'm glad I was able to make changes now. There's some